Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. NASCAR Coast to Coast here on the Motor Racing Network, presented by Wheelan Engineering and also brought to you by Hercules Tire. I'm Hannah Newhouse, joined always by my co-host of Kyle Ricky. And today we open up the show with some good news. Again, we do record this on Tuesday, so it is Tuesday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you if you're a Star Wars fan. But starting the show off with some good news, Derek Lancaster, the Arkham Menard series driver that was injured just a few weeks ago in the wreck at Talladega, has been Released from the hospital, according to a Twitter post from his wife, Beth. They're headed back to Virginia to continue his recovery. So sending more good thoughts and prayers to Derek as he continues his recovery process and hopes he gets to join the ARCA field soon again. But Kyle, this past weekend, the Spring Sizzler finally took place after being originally rain postponed from the prior weekend at Stafford Motor Speedway. And uh, Mother Nature somehow still managed to get the best of the race. Yeah, rain postponed by uh, about a week at the Stafford Motor Speedway, and unfortunately, she showed back up with 20 laps to go. I guess it was maybe a little more than that, 25 laps to go. Started the rain at the end of the Spring Sizzler. They red flagged the event at lap 130. Uh, just after, all the leaders got together in turn number four. The top four cars uh, went spinning into the outside wall, led by Ryan Priest. Uh, Justin Bonsignor was in the wreck. Uh, Anthony Nocella, a couple of others, and uh, Patrick Emmerling able to slither his way through to pick up his second career win. And I guess the cool story here, and we'll have Patrick on the show in a little bit, his crew chief, Jan Leedy, won the Spring Sizzler in 1996. So a former Sizzler winner in Jan, and you know now Patrick, his driver, going to victory lane. A really cool story, his second career win on the tour. Yeah, definitely crazy to uh, have it rain shortened. And again, going into that caution, was running about fifth, I believe. And uh, to come out as the leader, you just assume they'll revert back to however the last lap was timed, whatever it was. But ultimately, Patrick was the last one running with that. So, or the the one that was still left running as far as those lead lap guys uh, that took the lead there. So cool to get Patrick uh, that second win there of his tour career. Also, Matt Swanson, notable there as well, won his first uh, Mayhew Tools Full Award as well on the tour running obviously the famous blues, so some momentum there. Kyle, we look at the points, though. We're only two races into the modified tour, of course, starting off at Martinsville, and then this past weekend at the Sizzler. This is a point shakeup, granted, only two races in, that we haven't seen in quite some time on the tour at the moment. You've got Eric Goodale leading over Emerling now with that win, so you've got your first two winners, obviously, first and second, six points behind. Uh, Tommy Catalano is in third 11 out, Max McLaughlin currently sits fourth in the point standings and tied for fifth is Justin and cousin Kyle Bonsignor. Usually, I feel like we see a little bit different framework points early on in the season. Yeah, no Doug Kobe. Um, He is outside of the top six right now. Uh, We would usually see Justin further up. Uh, No John McKennedy right now, and, and he's had some tough luck. 
in the opening two races. Uh, Eric Goodale, though, I think, um, you know, it's so important to get a good start on this tour. Yeah, we're only two races in, but it's only a 14-race tour. So, you know, yeah, double the distance from what we had last year, but you still want to get a good start, and Eric Goodale's got a great start. Um, there was a couple of moments uh, because of the whole when did the caution come out type uh, type moment on the last lap there in Stafford. I thought Eric Goodale had won the race. He was up alongside Patrick Emmerling trying to fight for the lead under those caution laps right after the uh, – the incident in turn number four, but, uh, you know, Eric had to finish second, settle for second and uh, a near perfect season for Eric Goodale thus far. I think he, you know, I guess it's easy to say that he's the early favorite, but I think after the first few races, you know, he's, he's definitely got a little bit of padding between himself and some of the big guns that you alluded to a moment ago, a Bonsignor and Kobe not being yeah, up Yeah, definitely cool to see two uh, pretty much family-run teams currently at the moment, yep. those top two endpoints. We're going to take a quick break, though. We'll dial up Patrick Emerling here on NASCAR Coast to Coast to talk about that spring sizzler win. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19. 52. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires. Ride on our strength. Forty-ninth annual Napa Auto Parts Spring Sizzler took place this past weekend at Stafford Motor Speedway. Cut slightly short due to Mother Nature, but it was Patrick Emerling who maneuvered his way through the final lap chaos and came home to the victory. And he joins us now here on NASCAR Coast to Coast. Patrick, first off, thanks for taking some time. I know you're busy in the race shop already prepping race cars, but congratulations on that win, and thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks a ton. Thank you for having me on. I lost my voice today, but uh, I'll do my best here. You uh, you, you alluded it to allergies, but I'm going to say it was for celebratory reasons on that. But, again, so cool to see that win come out. But I want to take uh, us back to this last well, the last couple laps, as it was, the incident with Ron Silk, Ryan Priest collected uh, Bonsignor, as well as a couple others in that. What was going through your mind in that last lap, also in the uh, laps following that, that were caution, which ultimately led to the race being called? Yeah, I mean, it was quite, it was quite the uh, interesting race there for us. Uh, we started out the day um, not so good. Um, we actually had some electrical issues on the car earlier on. Um, so didn't get really any practice, didn't get up to speed in practice and didn't really get up to speed in qualifying. But uh, we finally got, um, you know, we replaced the crank, uh, crank trigger there after qualifying. And we actually, the race was pretty funny for us. We didn't have any track position. So we ended up actually on a 70 lap run or so. We ended up going a lap down or so. And then um, we ended up getting a lucky dog. And then we just, you know, had a little bit of a later pit strategy than a lot of the, um, a lot of the other cars, um, 
just kind of by default, um, Jan, Jan called the, uh, he called the strategy there, but a lot of it, you know, we were a lap down at, we had to get a lucky dog and then, um, and then, yeah. And so we found ourselves with some fresher tires that lap about a hundred, a little over a hundred and, um, you know, we were going to the front. So, um, and then, you know, we were, uh, we were looked, we were in really good shape. Then all of a sudden, um, I see some sparks flying, some, some smoke. And then, um, the whole top, we got into the top five and then the whole top five got wiped out. And then, um, you know, there's a little bit of a hole. We were able to uh, get through them there. And then, um, you know, I was like, you know, we're in good shape. We got better tires than, uh, all the guys around us. And the only guys with better tires are guys who were, um, you know, I think 10th on back. So, um, then all of a sudden it started raining. So it was, uh, it was just weird. It's, uh, quite interesting. It, uh, you know, just, we had a little luck on our side finally. Ryan Priest took blame for that last lap incident or what ultimately was the last green flag lap incident, driving into turn three a bit too hard, cleaning out those four guys that, that got swept up into it. Others said the track was a bit damp and, and that may have contributed to it. How were the track conditions at that time? Yeah, that so at that time, there was definitely a lot of, uh, there's definitely, you know, the track, you know, it was sprinkling a little bit. So the track definitely had a lot less grip in it. So there was a restart beforehand, um, you know, where I had a guy next to me and he kept same thing. He just lost it getting in and, um, you know, got up into me, but it was just, you know, the tr- there wasn't a lot of grip on the track. And so, um, you know, it was just kind of a racing deal. Yeah. There, there was quite a bit of lack of grip at that time. Yeah, definitely a, a tough scenario to be in, especially uh, making that call. And of course, no one likes to see any wrecked race cars. Uh, panned out for you, though, again, with that victory. Your second one here on the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. Obviously dominated the race at Bristol in 2017. Uh, how does it feel to get that second tour win? Because uh, I know tour wins are not easy to come by. Uh, yeah, very difficult. And, uh, you know, the last couple of years, you know, we've been trying to put a little bit more effort in. And, um, you know, we, we didn't have our results. Um you know, we kind of had a couple, we had a lot of issues last year. Um, a lot of, you know, you can say luck, um, you know, we had flat tires and we had, uh, you know, just quite a lot of things didn't go our way. And, um, you know, and it's quite a relief, uh, you know, for once, even though the day started out, um, you know, started out, um, you know, it appears that things are, it didn't start out good, but uh, it ended well. So, um, you know, hopefully that's the sign that things are uh, turning around for the team here. You mentioned Jan a little bit ago, Jan Leedy, your crew chief and former yep. Spring Sizzler winner in 1996. How did that pairing come to be for, for you and Jan? Oh, I got to say it was, it was about, uh, what do you think, like 10 years ten years ago? This is our 10th <laughs> year together, yeah. Yeah, 10, oh, 10 years ago. And then, um, yeah, he, uh, I think we now reached out to each other. Um, he had a... ROC car to drive and so started driving it and then the rest is kind of history ever since yeah young kid uh 17 years old we had a car they uh wanted to get him in a car so it all kind of came together yep so so learned a lot since then yeah, so cool. And so cool to be able to have that uh, that knowledge book to lean on. Obviously, it's coming together with this win and strong finishes. Uh, we were just talking about the points prior to having you join us here. You guys are currently sitting second in the point standings right now, right behind Eric Goodell. Does that change uh, your guys' projection for the rest of the season on being a little bit maybe more aggressive to chase after a championship? Or what is your thought process now, still in the two races in, 
but uh, now sitting, you know, second in the point standings. Um, well, that's oh, that's the ultimate goal, right? So um, that's what we're, um, you know, if things didn't start out as well for us, I think we, you know, there might be a chance, you know, we might uh, maybe not go to a few, but at, at, at this point, we're definitely going to go to uh, all the races and compete for the championship. And we prepared and expected to be able to be competitive but you never really know. And uh, for me, it's one lap, one race at a time, one car ready for one race at a time. And, and for Patrick, it's finish every lap. That's what we have to do. Yep. Jan, I feel like the modifieds are one of the few cars in this sport that really haven't changed a whole lot. When you look at how K&N and ARCA has evolved and, and cup cars and Xfinity, how much have they changed from say 1996 when you were standing in victory lane in the spring sizzler? Surprisingly, not that much. Uh, mechanically, the cars are very similar, um, and that's a tribute to NASCAR uh, having a solid rule book and enforcing it to make sure that cars didn't become obsolete. Uh, in the past few years, there's been a lot of development in chassis and shocks and handling, um, but the iron is pretty much still the same. So we always continue to learn, and uh, we have to learn how to apply what we learn. <laughs> So it's, it's, there's always evolution, but the actual hardware, like you say, they look quite a lot like they, they did for the last 20 years or more. And I definitely think that attributes to the health that we've seen in the tour in comparison to some of other of NASCAR's others, regional uh, touring divisions. Uh, we talked about taking it, you talked about taking it race by race, but this year schedule's a little bit different than what we've seen on the tour in previous years. You uh, started the season off with Martinsville, but we're going to add Richmond on there. We're going to Riverhead, Beach, Lancaster, and a few others. Uh, a lot of teams don't have notebooks on those racetracks. How are you guys feeling about uh, those new additions to the to the schedule? Well, we came into this year and we were pretty happy about the schedule, so Usually, you know, there's a typical, there's a typical Thompson and Stafford, and now things are changed up a little bit. But we got two Oswegos, Oswego, uh, Lancaster, and Richmond. I think that's going to be a really good neutral track for us. Um, Jennerstown, Jennerstown. We've, we've run all these places and have some notes, so that that should help a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely uh, in Lancaster. Of course, that's about five, 45 minutes down the road for me, and uh, we have. Uh, Ran there quite a bit, uh, have some, you know, ROC victories there. So that's something we're definitely looking forward to. Yeah, but, ROC. Yeah, yeah. But with the competition on the Wheel of Modified Tour, these guys adapt really quick. So even though it's going to look like we're going to be having an advantage going into it, um, you know, I don't think the advantage is going to be quite as big as what a lot of people are going to think just because, um, you know, the level of where the tour is at right now mentioned ROC, the Race of Champions Modified Tour that runs predominantly in New York, and, and the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour going to Lancaster for the first time this year. Uh, next race on the tour, two weeks' time, Riverhead Raceway. Uh, it's been a, a couple years since you've been there, but top seven finishes in both races there in 2019. Uh, thoughts about getting back to the, the Long Island quarter mile? Yeah, so that's the one track that... Um... You know, I kind of learned to, you know, it's, it's, it's different, right? And we kind of learned to, I kind of learned to like it as a driver. And, um, you know, the only problem is just getting there, right? Uh, going across the George Washington Bridge. But, uh, no, we're looking forward to it here. Uh, the car's right on the lift there, so uh, she'll be ready. Awesome. Well, again, we're looking forward to it, that race. 
just two weeks away. Um, again, Patrick, congratulations on your win this past weekend at Stafford. Best of luck the rest of the season. We're looking forward to uh, following this season. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Yep. Take care. Thanks for having us on. Again, guys, that was Patrick Emmerling, your winner this past weekend in the 49th annual Napa Auto Parts Spring Sizzler at Stafford. The second race for the NASCAR Wheelin Modified Tour. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we've got your Wheelin Engineering NASCAR Wheelin Modified Tour Spotlight. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Wheelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Wheelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19. 19- Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. where you were going 40 miles an hour this is a residential area sure but i'm on my lawnmower wait am i getting a ticket no i've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys and mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds what got into you well it did fuel up at sunoco this morning at sunoco we know how to fuel peak performance we've been doing it for american racing for over 50 years fuel your best Back here on NASCAR Coast to Coast in time for our engineering driver spotlight. This driver runs in the SK Modifieds, primarily up in New England at tracks like Thompson and Stafford. And you know the last name well. Mike Christopher Jr. joins us now. Mike, thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's pretty cool. Your dad dad is Mike Christopher Sr. Your uncle, the late great king of the Modifieds, Ted Christopher, our usual first question is, how does one get involved in racing? But I think uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> self-explanatory there. It is. Um, but at what point did you take an interest uh, that, you know, okay, yeah, I, I'm young and this is something that I enjoy and, and maybe want to pursue? Well, I've been going to the track since I was a kid. And, you know, my mom took me to pretty much every single race that Ted was going to and then um, I'm not like all the others where they started at five, six years old. I didn't start go-karting until I was 10. And uh, I don't know, just kept moving up. You know, I don't really remember too much from go-kart years or even legend car years of like what I was thinking. Um, but I don't know, I just kept moving up the ranks and we won races and then went to legend cars and won races there too. So I think it was just part of the process to go to the SKs eventually. And I started those in 2015. 
Um, and it just became a part of life. And, you know, definitely now I'm, I'm in that mindset of like, damn, this is, this is something very cool, very, uh, aspiring, you know, the, the ability to move up ranks and, uh, show yourself in different series and broadcast yourself to a whole wide world of people. And, uh, you know, that whole idea of, uh, getting involved in racing and then moving up, is something that's really attracted me now, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who's the biggest motivator uh, to get you involved? Was it Uncle Ted or Father Mike? No, it was my mother, actually. Oh. Yeah, which, she... which goes completely opposite from what we usually hear because it's yeah. the moms that usually want to keep the kids away. No, she, I mean, she's been involved in racing. Uh, she grew up in the Waterford area, so she went to the Speed Bowl uh, when she was a kid, and she's always been involved in racing, obviously, with my dad and uncle, too. But uh, yeah, she was pretty much the pusher that made me get into go-karts and she actually bought, uh, there's two different kinds of engines in the go-karts, the flathead and then the animal motor, which has a little bit more power. And uh, she bought the animal motor and, you know, just was like my funder from uh, go-karts and, you know, pushed me to continue. And eventually it just, you know, led to where we are today. And you mentioned that path, go-karts, legend cars, modifieds uh were the modifieds always on your radar obviously you know that's where your dad made his name that's where your uncle made his name yeah and it was straight to sks you know they had the sk light division but uh, i don't think i mean we ran a couple races in there and i don't know exactly what it was but we just decided you know uh it was basically my dad saying i'm just gonna throw you to the wolves here and send you to the sk division uh the field in 2015 and 16 was full of uh obviously my uncle Ted, Priest, uh, Bonsignor, Kobe. I mean, there were some heavy hitters in that series. So uh, I feel like I learned a lot in those first couple of years. And uh, yeah, it just led to where we are now. And we're obviously running a couple uh, full-blown tour modified shows with Tommy Baldwin this year. And uh, yeah, it's just moving up the ranks. All this and you're only 22 years old. How, uh, how have you grown these last three or four years and, and matured behind the wheel since you, you debuted in the SKs? You know, how I said in the beginning, how I just like, you know, don't really remember much from SKs, the early days or legend cars and stuff. Uh, I feel like the real turning point in my whole perception of racing and I could even put it towards life in general too, was when Ted passed away. It was like a real opening of like, uh, you know, why we're here and what we're doing and uh, the passion behind it and all that stuff. You know, I really, but more than that, it goes into the racetrack too of like, you know, learning off of different people and, uh, you know, just trying to better myself as much as I can. Um, you know, these past couple of years, obviously, uh, I won some races in 2018 and then 19 was a dry spell. And then I got the opportunity to race with Tommy and we, uh, that's obviously moving up the ranks and, I won races. I won a race in there too. So, um, that whole, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I felt like that moment was like where, I don't know, everything like the light bulb came on and I understood more of like what we were doing and, um, how to get better and learning from other people and just trying to better myself. You mentioned Tommy, uh, Tommy Baldwin, obviously a long time, uh, cu uh, car owner in the cup series and now uh, expanding his operation of the modifieds his dad a longtime competitor in the nascar wheel and modified tour 
as well. How did that relationship come together for you and Tommy? Uh, I'm pretty sure it started through Al Hankey, who is the owner of Mohawk Northeast. Not only do I work there, but he also has a dirt team up in New York. And uh, somehow we got connected with him because we found out he has he had an asphalt modified just laying around at a shop. This was back in 2014. And somehow I got his number uh, through Tommy, I believe. Uh, obviously, Tommy knows my family, my dad and uncle. And uh, so that was like the beginning of where we, where I was talking to Tommy. And then we had those stages of, you know, those years of where we didn't talk much at all. But um, yeah, 2020 just came around and we had that, or 2019, I ran one race with Tommy at Stafford and we did pretty good. And then he came on in 2020 and said, we're going to run a couple more. Um, I think Tommy is an avid believer that uh, he, he really likes winning races. So uh, I think that Thompson win really opened his eyes, I guess. And we came on this year and we're running uh, 11 shows with him at the open modified series. And, you know, that series has really grown a lot. Uh, me and Thompson, we had almost every single tour driver was in there, you know, uh, very stout field. So I'm very happy and humbled to be a part of that with such a great team. I mean, Tommy is well connected down South and well connected up here. So it's good to, to have that opportunity to, you know, hopefully win races and brand myself that way, but also to use the connections that Tommy has to maybe bring me up further. Um, you know, it's, it all comes down to winning races, but it's good to have those people too. It'll be a busy year, no doubt for you between the tour modified open shows and the SK on Friday nights at Stafford mm -hmm. and, and whatever, you know, at Thompson, I guess as well. Um, so what's life, off the racetrack for you at 22 years old you have a lot going on when you're at the racetrack what's monday through thursday look like um well usually i work at mohawk i'm a just a construction laborer i mean that's um i mean i'm at school too uh, i do that but the online thing kind of set me back i was just very frustrated at that whole process but that's another story but um wake up early, go to work from seven to three 30 this week. I'm actually off because of uh, school and finals out and all that. So I'm lucky that Al Hankey gives me that opportunity to, you know, work on school, but uh, yeah, work until three 30 and then head to the shop. Uh, usually sometimes I come home for dinner, but sometimes I just stay at the shop until nine, 10 o'clock and then do it all again. <laughs> You go. And as we record this interview, we're about a month into the Northeast season up here. A couple of events at Stafford under the books, uh, a race at Thompson under the books. How, mm -hmm. uh, how would you kind of summarize the first four weeks of, of your 2021 season? Um, our SK program at, at Thompson was very good. I mean, we were battling for the win and uh, whatever happened there happened, but uh, you know, that's just part of racing. Um, our, with Tommy, we raced once at, at Thompson, and the car was definitely not what we had uh, the previous time we were out there when we won. But, you know, that's part of the process, too. You know, Tommy said, you know, there's five, six races at Thompson. We hit almost every single one, but one of them is usually off. And I hope that's the only one because uh, we obviously have a strong car there. But past two weeks at Stafford, we've been struggling. You know, that's really um, – it's pretty detrimental sometimes as a race car driver. It's very, uh, it's like a mind game that you play with yourself. You could be so successful, so successful at one place and have opportunities here and, you know, 
think that you're going somewhere in the sport, but then you go to your home track and your home team and everything, and we're struggling to get in the top 10. And it's just a work in progress where uh, you take the good with the bad. And, you know, sometimes most of the time actually racing goes pretty poorly. So you just got to set that aside and uh, work on that to become better. But uh, the whole mind game of racing, when things go bad, you can't let it get to you because uh, that's just going to bring everything down. And we're only in the first month of the season, a long uh, season ahead for you to, to tweak on it and get it right. Mike Christopher Jr. joining us here on our Wheel and Spotlight. Thanks for taking the time to join us, and uh, we'll see you at the track real soon. All right, thank you. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights. Whelan also produces white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and high-powered warning systems for automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Every part of every Whelan product is proudly designed and manufactured in America and is tested on-site to meet the toughest industry certifications. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 19. One of the things we talk about a lot here on NASCAR Coast to Coast is, again, how drivers continue to be up and coming, grow their following, and grow their sponsorship. One of those newest tools, as you can call it, obviously, is the game of social media. We're seeing a lot more tracks, drivers, teams, and sponsors become involved in so many different ways, and a article hit headlines a couple weeks ago in regards to Haley Deegan, who's obviously one of the drivers that has made her way up through NASCAR's ranks and is now competing full-time in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. But the article stated she is one of the most uh, influenced Influencer, I guess is the word. Uh, Influential. Influential. Influencers (laughs) on social media at the current moment in women's sports, I think ranking 7th. In the world, and the article went into how right now brands are more interested in combining efforts with Haley's social media than being on the hood of her Camping World Truck Series truck, which is such a odd frame of mind for drivers and teams that have been in this industry for such a long time. That is such a weird concept to fathom. But Haley boasts, you know, millions of followers between her YouTube, her Uh, Twitter, her Instagram, so the exposure is massive there. And, hey, at the end of the day, if it's dollars that are going back towards her racing career, sponsorship exposure is sponsorship exposure. But, Kyle, it's so crazy to see this new framework of sponsorship that's now entering the motorsports industry. 
Yeah, and she's obviously uh, topping that list. I remember when she turned 18 a couple of years ago, uh, she was making her big track debut in New Hampshire. It was 95 degrees out. So she came in, we had a radio room in there, and she came in the radio room and she updated her her birthday or something on her Instagram. On her it was Twitter, it got, wasn't it? Her Twitter, and it got shut down. Yeah. <laughs> and she lost all of her followers, or, or she thought she had lost all of her followers. And she was so heartbroken and disappointed. And thankfully, by the end of the day, uh, she was verified or, or whatever she was trying to do with her birthday. And, and all the followers were back in play. But um, what she has been able to do on YouTube, you know, with 100,000 subscribers, what she has been that able to do on Instagram with a million subscribers is pretty amazing. Um, if you haven't watched her stuff, check it out. Uh, but we're seeing more and more teams try to do just that. Um, Guys in the modified tour need to probably get up to date a little bit when it comes to, to social media tactics. Um, a lot of them very private, except for like Doug Kobe and Justin Bonsignor, Ryan Priest, when they're interacting with each other. Um, but a lot of young drivers, a lot of racetracks taking that route. Uh, I know many of the tracks up here in the Northeast have done a nice job um, trying to step up their social media game. It is so important. And, you know, the ultimate payoff is the number of, of butts you get in the seats for a racetrack or the number of folks that subscribe to watch your facility race that, you know, is now very readily available nationwide. Yeah, absolutely. And as we continue to move in a direction of, you know, pay-per-view style racing, whether that's with different subscription outlets, you know, you're allowed to gather a fan base. that is not just based off of network television. We saw Ryan Vargas bring on the social media app of TikTok last year that brought on a lot of new fans. You know, we're seeing uh, athletes such as football players and everyone bring fans to NASCAR simply through Twitter. And uh, someone else that stands out to me too is Travis Braden. We had him on just a few weeks ago to talk about his ventures. Himself and his girlfriend, Jess, are heavily involved in their social media presence between vlogs and just keeping things up to date with their content. And they've seen the return in that. So um, a lot of a lot of folks, if you're listening to this via podcasting, we assume you somewhat know how to use the social media <laughs> and new network technology. But uh, a lot of different outlets in which you can reach out to start that social media game, whether that is tracks, drivers, or teams. Uh, definitely something we uh, are having to move towards in this new generation of motorsports. But... Uh, Speaking of new generation or next generation for that matter, Ty Gibbs, someone we uh, seem to talk about a lot, whether it's now on the national series levels or, uh, well, I guess ARCA is national, but uh, also the lower ranks. They raced this past weekend at Kansas for the Dutch Boy 150, absolutely dominated the weekend, qualified almost a half second quicker than second place, led green flag to checkered flag and dedicated his win to the late Art and Senna who uh, it was the anniversary of his death on that day, who was actually before Ty was even born. So 27 years ago. Yeah. Cool to see that tribute uh, from Ty Gibbs. Drew Dollar came home second over Corey Heim, Jack Wood and Derek Griffith. Uh, Four races in for the Arkham Menard series. Corey Heim leads the points 13 over Drew Dollar. Ty Gibbs sits back 23, obviously not a good finish two weeks ago at Talladega for his point standings over Kyle Sieg and Thad Moffitt. Also, the Arca Midwest Tour was at Madison for the Joe Shear Classic. It was Rich Pickle Jr. who won over Luke Benhaus. Dalton Zare. The SRL was at Stockton, where Derek Thorne collected yet another victory over Blaine Roca. Jacob Gomes and the Pro Late Models raced with them, with Jeremy Dosh taking that win. 
Tanner Reef and Sammy Solari, and a couple more West Coast tracks. Evergreen Speedway had their opening weekend. Dawson Cox won the Pro Late Model race over Greg Bennett, and Chad Fitzpatrick won the second one over Naomi Lang, and Colorado National also opened up their season this past weekend. I always feel like there's just still snow out there at this time of year, but it looked like good weather, able to get in their race. In Super Late Models, it was Darren Roberts, Robertson over Chris Eggleston and Jace Hansen. And at Hickory Motor Speedway, Landon Huffman both won both of the twin late model features. Patrick Owen the third and second in both of those events. Brian Ruff won in limited late models. Riverhead Raceway, Long Island in New York uh, opened up. John Beatty the third picked up a win. A, a very good race over Kyle Soper. Uh, C.J. Lehman finished in third. Uh, Jeremy McDermott won in the late models. They uh, are back in action this Saturday night. We'll host the Wheel and Modify Tour in two weeks. And Seekonk Speedway up here in Massachusetts uh, opened up for the first time since the fall of 2019. David Darling won in the Pro Stocks. Benny and An- An- I can never get this right. Aaron Gatto uh, picked up the win in the late models. And uh, some interesting news out of Sunset Speedway up in Innisfil, Ontario, Canada. Uh, their sanctioning body up there that runs uh, one of the late model programs, the United Racing Series, has postponed their season opener at the track on May 22nd. That is scheduled the day before the NASCAR Pinty's season opener. So no word yet from NASCAR, but uh, the, the reason stated from the URS, the United Racing Series, is pandemic-related. Um, Ontario still locked down pretty hard here. Uh, they, they got hit again in, in mid-April and are expecting at least six weeks to be in, in the current uh, lockdown. It has been lax since uh, there was some pushback from local law enforcement in Ontario about, you know, are we really going to ticket people that are on the streets and not in their house? Um, but could affect the uh, and probably will affect the season opener for the NASCAR Pinty Series scheduled in just a couple of weeks on May 23rd. So stay tuned. Yeah, we'll keep you, continue to keep you guys updated on not only the Pinty Series, but also the NASCAR Euro Series and NASCAR Mexico Series. As for this upcoming weekend, the ARCA East Series back in action at Nashville uh, over the weekend for the Music City 200. That race, a little bit of a late start, 9.30 Eastern time. You can watch it on Track Pass. Obviously, they will have an NBCSN tape delay as well. And the Cars Tour is in action Friday night at Ace Speedway for the race at Ace 125. That's at 8 p.m. on Hit Row TV. Kyle? The race at Ace. I know, right? We're getting rhymy now. <laughs> no, it's been, a, it's been a lot of good action in the Cars Tour. Late Model Stocks uh, are the division running this weekend. Super Late Models have a couple weeks off before they are back at it. I believe they actually go to Nashville. Nashville, I believe, yep. Yep, in a couple weeks uh, in a combination, another combination race with the Southern Super Series and the Arca, or CRA, JEGS Tour. So, That'll be a good race at Nashville. So lots of racing happening this weekend as short tracks pretty much for the most part are open. So please get out, support your local short tracks and your local short track drivers for that matter. We'll have it all covered again here on NASCAR Coast to Coast next week. I'm Hannah Newhouse for Kyle Rickey, producers Craig Moore and Alexa Henry, and we will see you guys next week.